another episode we are doing October 1994 and we are so happy that you allowed us into your head your head <laughs> oh that's like one of the songs it's a little cranberries humor for you <laughs> I get it uh, Be- before my- I came and sat down I said to Laura I'm gonna go and burp in Paul's ears for the next two hours I'll see you later <laughs> awesome because I just ate food that is Ben he is just eating food so we're off to a really good start um uh how are you doing uh pretty good i'm pretty awake uh i only had six hours sleep but i ate three hot chip sandwiches this morning yeah so are you talking about the chips that um, you had from the other night uh i'm not sure if that's relevant this being two (laughs) days later from that all right including the okay um (laughs) i'm not gonna ask any more questions Um, i microwave them it's fine Let's let's get you, okay. Let's get uh, I don't know. Let's get your gassy butt out of here and let's go into living in the now. Uh, so this is the part where we talk about stuff just for a couple of seconds. Uh, about that's not about the nineties. Just what we've been watching least recently. Um, I have stumbled upon what well, I stumbled upon, but like I went to my my disney plus and there was a new doco there called light and magic and it's all about uh, industrial like light and magic the that did the special effects for star wars and like obviously for everything oh. since and then it's like it's like a six or seven old guys talking about how they made models for star wars and it is delightful <laughs> <laughs> There's six episodes. I've only got through the first uh, one and a half, and it's just, and these guys are still so giddy about it. It's like it's. I think it's because like no one's ever like really given them the chance to talk about this, and they're like, "Oh, you want to hear what we did? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you everything." And they're very funny, and it's just yeah, it's it's been my little breath of fresh air. How much can you talk about minis? A lot. Okay. When we want to hear about matte paintings, I can talk about matte pain- paintings. <laughs> um, the other thing I've been uh, listening to is, you'll probably be a little bit surprised, but Ooh. there's a band called The Smile. Oh. Mm, which is, if you don't know, is um, uh, Tom York and um, the other dude from... Radio- Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, from uh, from Radiohead. They made... And I know like I've sort of disparaged Radiohead a bit, but this is a bit different. It's a bit... I don't know some songs are quite sort of faster and a bit, bit rockier. It's a little bit, a bit, a little bit less experimental. Um, but yeah, I've been really liking their their new album. So uh, yeah, check it out. The smile. You'll really be liking Radiohead when you actually start listening to their full albums and find that they're not just those electronic hits you've heard on the radio. Oh, okay. Well, you'll, you'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, you'll see. But yeah, so that's that's what I've been what I've been doing. Um, what have you been listening to and watching? Uh, I've been watching sports because the seasons have all intertwined again. Ah. Um, I played a lot of sports this last week, uh, and I also watched a lot, so it's been a good time. Okay. Uh, also watched The Grey Man, and that was not a good time. I watched that yesterday. Um, it's, not, it's not a bad time, but it's just not. <laughs> I found it great. ambient. Like I did a lot of stuff while it was on, and I never like got lost in the in the plot. I'm like, oh yeah, I know what's going on here. 
even with like the supposed mm. like little little plot twist here and there i'm like uh, and then <laughs> i have to admit i was like you know when you're for me it's like oh well i better go into letterbox and log it and like it's pretty much done i'm like oh it's still 25 minutes to go huh <laughs> all right yeah and then you're like he escapes the facility i was like oh, i don't know i don't know man where i'm gonna so i watched the rest of it just begrudgingly but yeah it was i don't know it wasn't too bad like it was okay i get i dropped off half a star i gave it two and a half okay um it was definitely never really would have got three but it was definitely not getting three after the little spoiler ahead uh marcher ending fight scene oh man what the one in the so, fountain the one in the fountain or yeah the one? <laughs> like she's got a clear shot just kill him um there's a bit though I mean, if I, I like a, is it Chris Evans? He's um, Captain America as, mm. as a bad guy, and I think he should be a bad guy more often because I think he really likes playing a bad guy. Um, there's a bit where, and it's like it actually calls for reason. Like anytime I see an action movie where there's like water or something around, he he just been shot or something in the back, and then um, he gets punched and he falls in the water, and then he gets up. He's like, ah, oh, it really stings. <laughs> <laughs> and I found that very funny because I'm like, yeah, if you've just been like punched or shot in the back and you got like an open wound oh, in yeah, the water. Oh, yeah, the flare gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you go in the water, that would sting. And I was like, yeah. I was like he just goes, oh, that stings. <laughs> so that was pretty good. Um, but then uh, Ryan Reynolds gets, not Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> same ha. thing. Gosling gets stabbed like 12 times and then continues to beat That's Chris Evans up. There was, there, was no, there was no blood coming out at all. Like, have you seen Gladiator? That's not what happens. You get stabbed once and then you lose. Billy Bob, think, Billy Bob Thornton had his fingernails ripped off, though. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, this is not the green man. This is not living. Oh, can I just do it? So, um, we had a conversation this morning and at the breakfast table and um, I said, just off the cuff to... Um, my son, I was like, oh, you know, you're living in the past or something like that. And he just goes, no one likes living in the past. <laughs> Not knowing that he, uh... and he, he didn't know that it was, that was the, the title of this show. And then me and, my, me and my wife are like cracking up. And he's like, what's funny? I'm like, you just essentially said that no one likes your dad's podcast. And I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm sure the numbers would um, would support your, your claim. But yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the events. Um, now, there's not many. Like, I was trying to find, again, like, uh, I mean, uh, stuff happened, but it was like, we, we can only start talking about, like, the excessive amount of earthquakes and plane crashes that happened around the world in the 90s so mm-hmm. much. Um, I've got a couple of things, but then I've got some, like, some bits and bobs, like, throughout, like, some sort of weird and pop culture stuff that happened throughout the year. So I thought I'd give, take the opportunity when we don't have a big events month to go sort of go through that um but coming off like i was like i just had to see this this is like one of the only uh events that i could like relate to um gary larson retires from doing the comic strip the far side um angering suburban dads everywhere (laughs) (laughs) um i remember my dad was quite the far side fan we used to have like books just full of them um and i like it was funny it was just like it's just that it's a very dad thing to like um and I'm like, maybe if I, if I, if I start reading him now, I'll, I'll become obsessed like he was or something. Um, I'm just quickly going to look that up because I have no idea what it is. The Far Side? Hmm. So it's like one shot, one panel comics. Oh. 
Yeah. But those are still going on, right? Yeah, but that's syndication. Like you've just that's just he's just done enough to basically have them repeated over and over and over again, over again. I've the first one I've pulled up is someone in an Icish area defrosting a cow and a family from an ice block. <laughs> and there is no caption. Yes yeah, it. <laughs> um hmm. So going on to a few other things. So like in 1994, I want to just go through the popular baby names uh, for for 94. So we had Ashley, Emily, Jessica, Samantha, Christopher, Joshua, Michael, and Matthew. Still very biblical. And so I'm I'm wondering when that tide turns and it gets into weird spellings and stuff like that. Shaniqua. <laughs> well, you know. And that. Aaron with two A's. Well, Aaron's always had two A's. Yeah, but why? <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so when um, when Game of, Th- Game of Thrones was big, apparently a lot of people were named Khaleesi. So you're going to find a lot of Khaleesi's in about you know, 15 years' time, sort of. We should also do the dog names because they also took a hit. Oh, I bet. Uh, do you have like because you work in a dog um, like a dog daycare? Uh, do you have like really weird names? But then like someone will just call it like. Um, like Bob or like Dave. Uh, we recently had a Colin and a Jeremy. <laughs> my dad's name. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to go Colin, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, we don't have any Pauls or Benjamins. Jesus. Uh, not at my facility. I think there is a Benjamin somewhere. Do they respond um, to Colin and what? Did they give? Oh, yeah, man, I need it, more. It's their name. You I don't need, respond to Paul? I need more information about why they called him Colin. Because it's a good name. And then they, they got Colin a sister and they were going to call her Linda. <laughs> but she was already called Izzy. And I was like, who cares? Change it. She'll make do. She'll get used to it. I have Colin and Izzy. That's not fun. Colin and Linda. Colin and Linda remind me of like a white couple in their mid-50s. Like yep. having having breakfast. No children. Um, and That's just exactly like, what they're like, of course. And just, yeah. just, and just like quietly sort of just like... Dialing out the clock with the paper and the, yeah. And they're kind of like the neighborhood kids' grandparents or <laughs> auntie and uncle, but they're not really, but you know. Yeah. They'll give you candy. <laughs> In a few years' time, there might be questions asked, but we, we won't go there yet. <laughs> yeah. Abducted in plain sight. Um, <laughs> but no, there's there's a lot of Lokis and Odins and, you know, yeah, epic names, Cerberus. Cerberus. All sorts. It's We've got a... There's two Cerberuses that come in. Cer- Cerberuses? No. Cerberus. Cerberus. <laughs> uh, one's a giant German Shepherd and one is a tiny, like, Pomeranian Chihuahua. Oh, so it's, like, ironic. It's, like, he's not yeah. a three-headed dog from hell. He's just a Pomeranian. Yeah. He's Ugh. the tiniest thing you can imagine. Jesus. I could talk about these all day, but uh, <laughs> let's go back to your events. Uh, so, in 1993, obviously, the Power Rangers became, like, a, like... That got released. So the pop, most popular uh, Halloween costumes for '94 were the uh, yellow, red, and pink Power Rangers. Um, holiday gifts were Monty Morphin Power Rangers, and then Beanie Babies. Oh. Do you know much about Beanie Babies? I know they're a waste of time. Oh, okay. I did learn recently about. No, you have it. You probably already know. I don't know. How people would like so we'll get more into this in the late nineties because it, it started a boom. People used to like um, collect them and think they have like 
a lot of money on their hands. Like there'll be like, there'll be um, rare ones. There was a Princess Di one that apparently people like were looking for. Um, what were your What was your? Uh, someone I can't remember who it was now. It's going to kill me. Someone told me recently that they basically invented eBay because of Beanie Babies. Yes, yes. So basically, like, they were the most popular website yeah. when the internet came around. And people were like, basically, this is my um, this is my nest egg sort of thing. And then obviously it burst because there's a there's a bunch of articles I just read this last week um, about the Beanie Bubble bursting, and um, they they they're using it right now as a very very good. Um, like comparison to Bitcoin, uh, it's basically like oh. nothing like this lasts forever. It's it's always like the unconventional um, money and lots of stuff is never going to like replace anything. So, um, do you think also, do you think stamps are still popular? Are people still collecting stamps that are worth money? I'm sure, it's like a niche community, but probably not the the to the point that it's it's actually like that serviceable. But I was because reading, stamps are now like two dollars each, aren't they? So if you got a stamp from the fifties, it's one one cent. Yeah, you're I laughing, mean, but it's also it's that whole thing of like it's ex- it's it's expensive to the person who wants it sort of thing. It's not yeah. Um, but then so we, um, I also read up because like it's it's coming up in a couple of years. I was like reading a couple of articles about it, and um, there's there was a murder attributed to the Beanie Babies because a guy mm-hmm. um, thought someone was. That's not funny. That's no, not funny. Um, and then there was a picture of uh, a couple in court with their Beanie Babies Beanie. Babies, beanie babies all over the floor and they were doing like the split <laughs> so like they were getting divorced and they had all their all their all their beanie babies and just, uh, like, they're like like and the, the, they couldn't do it privately because they didn't trust each other so they had to do it in front of a judge <laughs> and i can only imagine the judge just like going well i think this is time for me to retire <laughs> <laughs> you think you've seen it all uh it was quite the time for um uh, windbreakers and denim <laughs> that was like the, the the fashion trends there was uh, quite a lot of uh, animal print going on too I don't know if you remember that in the 90s but like lots of uh, leopard I remember it like five years ago oh and it comes in, it all comes in cycles and lots of stuff so yeah and excuse me I went to the footy last night and I wore denim jeans and a raincoat slash windbreaker so yeah practical um I can't. I can never do jeans. I'm just not a jeans guy. I don't know why. I, I didn't until I started finding some that fit, and they're like a little bit stretchy, so I can eat a loaf of bread one day and they still fit the next. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the entire <Yeah>. loaf, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. I had a friend who used to eat a block of cheese, like not cut it up, just like eat eat just big hunks oh. of it, just like sit there and eat a hunk of cheese. Speaking of snacks, uh, shout out to our good friends for goodness snacks, uh, roast chicken corn puffs that I stress ate, stress ate last night while watching Leeds win. Oh, did um did Richmond win as well? They certainly did. Okay. Did you get beaten up by Port fans away, huh? No, most of them had left before the last quarter began. Person of the Year in Time magazine was Pope John Paul II. Yeah. I wonder what, like the criteria is for that like do they go through his achievements or they're like people seem to like him let's give him a front I'm not cover sure. it must be just like, maybe maybe it's just like i mean also if they if time magazine has covered him the most usually it's not usually a good thing <laughs> <laughs> it's like if it, we've had him the most we, we searched our, our records for 94 and we, he came up the most and it's like no yeah for, for bad things did you read the headline with it no but i saw his face a lot <laughs> Very surprise. Very yeah, surprise. 
Uh, and Bill Gates purchased the Leonardo da Vinci Codex for $30 million. It's a 72-page document that contains sketches and ideas around several different subjects like astronomy and the properties of natural elements. Um, so he basically started the Da Vinci Code. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. Illuminati. Um, so yeah, if you want to have a look um, more of this, like we've got, there's a there's a actually a really good website that I use um, called it's called Hobby Lark, and basically if you just like if you if you like Google pop culture in 1994, this will come up. And this guy is really good. He's very very comprehensive. Like it's um, like I could I could keep going, but I won't. Um, but there's just there's just a few bits and pieces of um, stuff that happened through 1994. I was trying to find some paranormal stuff, but like it's very hard to find. Um, paranormal uh incidents like in um specifically for 1994 there's a couple of ufo sightings i saw um that came up in it but nothing specifically 1994 ish yeah i feel like a lot of that stuff is on those old like internet style websites that are probably all defunct now yeah yeah but Um, i think we'll start to find more as like mid later 90s i think It'll be documented a lot better. Yeah. Like if you look, if you look for um, uh, uh, Bigfoot, it's just like, it's just, it's just like a, this huge like map of America and then these little dots of like everyone that's for Bigfoot. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's accurate at all. Of course it is. Um, I was also going to go through the, um, the food and beverage, uh, but most of it's like American. I can't find a lot of Australian stuff. I will say that um, chicken Caesar salad came up on quite a lot of uh, lists as like being the the food of choice in 1994. So obviously like that sort of like kind of healthy, but it's actually not healthy because like it's, it's, it's dripping in like this creamy dressing and all that sort of stuff. It's not actually that good for you. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, um, that was apparently... It's tasty the, though. It is, yeah. Um, and the other thing uh, was Hot Pockets. Did you, ever, did you used to have Hot Pockets? No. Do you know what Hot Pockets are? I kind of know what they are because like, they're on TV a lot and I think... We I had them in Australia and we called them Rock and Rolls. And we had um we had a great Terrible ad. Name. We had a great ad with Spinal Tap. Because you know, you know in Australia how we, we tap into what's popular at the time. We had Spinal Tap that was in a movie in the 1980s doing an ad for <laughs> Rock and Rolls. Um, they're like a pizza... Um, pizza in a, in a, in a, it's a pizza pocket. So basically it's like, it's a contained, uh, pizza and then like you heat it up and then it's like molten lava, um, going into your, um, into your face and everyone was okay with this. And then like we, we, we called McCain, I think McCain did them. They called them rock and rolls and they're like, let's get that young fresh band sponsor to do it. <laughs> and, um, yeah. That would have been cheap. Would have been bargain. Uh, my, my mum got them a few times and I was quite what the uh no i mean spinal tap oh yeah um, got your spinal tap <laughs> uh one thing that did happen in australia was that flybys were introduced so um i don't know if like anyone amazing else in america i don't know if the people because we know we've got people in america and europe that listen to this flybys is a thing that now is exclusively to coles supermarkets um you earn points to like it used to be like exclusively to get money to, to basically use to travel but now, oh, it's like... not just Coles anymore, my friend. Oh, really? Kmart's in on it. Oh, um, okay. So, yeah, the Coles brand. So, like, you know, Coles, uh, First Choice Liquor and all that sort of stuff. So, anyway, so that, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Office Works, I think, is one or two. And Target, I think. 
Um, I know this because <laughs> in the dying days of our video store, when I used to, when we we didn't have any um like actual, we didn't have Fox or anyone sending us DVDs. We used to just go out to Target and buy a bunch of DVDs and then reset re-rent them, <laughs> which you're not supposed to do. And I used to use my own. I used to use my Flybars card. And I used to get points for <laughs> the Wazoo because I'd be like buying like eight hundred dollars worth of stuff, and it was amazing. <laughs> pretty clever yeah laura's mum uh gave her one of her flybys cars like you can have multiples so yeah. that she could get her points and i was like no 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 no! i too have a flybys card stop giving him your poor retired mother our points hey stop building our points that gets me a 20 dollar gift card at the end of the year okay Jeez. get out of it Oh man. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the events slash um, interesting things that happened in 1994. Let's move on to sport. So some people may recall, I slightly forgot my sport research last month. Oh, you can't notice. No, seamless. <laughs> uh, so I, I tried to dig really hard in October for like something good, something juicy, like some cool events that happened. Nothing. It's kind of the deadest sporting month. Hey, it was um, the deadest events month too. Nothing happening in October. So everyone's just waiting for Halloween. Everyone's watching Pulp Fiction. Um, speaking of Halloween, actually, uh, October 31st, Venus Williams played her first competitive game. I did see that, yeah. 14 years old. Yeah. Madness. Um, And she won. What a star. Um... But yeah, there wasn't a whole lot happening because obviously baseball, um, the season ended because the players needed more money because yeah. I had done by. <laughs> yes. uh, the NHL season didn't start because they started with a lockout. Yep. So their season didn't show. start till January. Americans must have uh, not known what to do with themselves. It's like, I'm going to baseball, I'm going to ice hockey. What are you doing? I'm going, join, I'm going to go join the army. I watched that Paulie Shaw movie the, the other day. <laughs> this seems pretty fun. <laughs> Actually, having said that, the NFL season should have started. Why didn't I look at that? Oh, okay, cool. Um, Let's watch that back because sport. That's uh, 90... 94... Yeah, 94-95, because they start in September, generally. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was running. Right. Um, I didn't look into any of that, but, you know. That's okay. It's gross. That was happening. Um, there is some hockey news, though, because Ooh. I believe it's the beginning of the end. Of the the Hartford Whalers were purchased ah. by a man called Peter Carmanos. The whale? Which, when someone buys a team, yeah, the good chance something bad's about to happen to that team. They're going to get moved or they're going to get, like... Yeah, yeah. so uh, come back in a couple of years and we'll see where the whale ended up. Um, I do have some baseball news. This is apparently the greatest baseball game to ever happen in Japan. Oh, okay. It is known as the Central League tiebreaker game. Okay. Or the 10.8 deciding match. Okay. Because for the first time in Japanese baseball history, uh, so they've got, same as American League, they've got two divisions. And the Central League division, the top two teams were in the exact same win-loss run scores. Okay. So there was nothing to, you know, differentiate who was going to finish top. Okay. 
and they just so happened to be playing each other in the final game <laughs> of the season to see who would go on into nice. the finals. Um, and I think it was the highest rated baseball game Ooh. in Japan ever. Uh, and one of them won. I can't remember who. There's too many words here, but it was a big deal. Um, and it's, it seemed like it was pretty exciting. It was the Yamuri Giants and the Chunichi Dragons. Ah, uh, so no, uh, no Hiroshima Cup. No. Damn. Um, I've said before, uh, Japanese baseball is really, really fun to watch. It's like, and they, they really sort of get into it. So if you ever had the time or the want um yeah give it give it a go it's it's quite quite fun to watch or maybe even look up this game because apparently it's a yeah quite a spectacle i'm sure it's on Um, the the youtubes and lastly something else that is on youtubes and i started watching this morning we briefly covered it in september because that's when the game usually is but the 1994 afl grand final (laughs) i was watching it this morning okay while everyone was eating because uh, last last episode, I just mentioned that it was absolute trouncing. Yes, it was, yes. But watching it this morning, it starts out a really good game. Like, West Coast kick on in front a little bit, and you're like, oh, so it was a trouncing. But it was 27-28 to Geelong at quarter time. Second quarter, the West Coast started running away. It was 60-37, to and then 90-54. to and then finished 143 to 63. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it didn't right. go great, but it was fun to watch. Like, there's commentators that up until a few years ago were still commentating. Um, there's a lot of players that you know you now see as coaches that are in the media. See some Sandy Roberts. A lot in there. of absolute legends of the game. So it was who. Some Sandy Roberts in there, and just some um, Dennis Dennis Gametti. Oh. Did you have some Dennis Gametti in there? It was the commentating team was Bruce McAvaney. Oh, gee. Bruce McAvaney, I think it's actually pronounced. Oh, gee. Dennis Gametti, Jared Healy, who must have been in his early thirties at this point, Jared, because Jared Healy, or as a, as he looks as like a talking potato. Yes. Yes, uh, Robert Dipper. <laughs> Yes, and Neil Curley. Okay, cool. The, the late, great curls. Um, who was, only, but who yeah, was, only, well, who was a slightly 103 at the time. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but for any, like, 90s footy fans, yeah. uh, Glenn Jakovic, John Warsfold, Peter Summich, Dean Kemp, Chris Waterman, Gary Ablett, uh, Billy Brownless, uh, Ken Hinckley was playing, Stephen Hawking, like names that would go on and just yeah yeah Hall of Famers. Mick Morehouse was coaching West Coast. Malcolm uh, Blight was coaching Geelong. Mick Morehouse looks like a uh, an eighties angry an eighties villain. Yeah. <laughs> like he's yeah. just he, like even in his press conferences he doesn't say much. Um, he looks like he's just waiting for his number two to like um, shoot someone in the head on top of plastic and then wrap him up and then he's like, little moustache and goatee. I'm not saying he's the, he's the the bad guy in lethal weapon, but he, he could have been the bad guy in lethal weapon. But yeah, all right. Well, that is sports. So let's go on to our film. Okay, so. 
Um, a lot of a lot of films came out. A lot of them um, you had to pay for, so I had to be very. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to spend like thirty bucks <laughs> watching a few a few different films for, for October '94. So I was very careful. Um, but I'll go through it. Only You, The Specialist, Hoop Dreams, Little Giants, Pulp Fiction, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Clerks, The Muppet, The Muppet, The Muppet Mass. <laughs> <laughs> Waka waka. Uh, the Puppet Masters, <laughs> The Radio Land Murders, The Last Seduction, and Stargate. What did you watch? Uh, I did Puppet Masters, Craven's New Nightmare, Little yeah. Giants, and Hoop Dreams. And of course, we recently watched Clerks together. Yeah, we watched it together. Yeah. Yeah, we did. It was fun. Let's talk about We giggled. That. We did giggle quite a lot. Um, look, it still holds up in, 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 in my humble opinion. Um, it's... It is. It's not the first one I saw. Like most, as most people, my my first Kevin Smith um, forte was uh, Morwats, but it still it still holds up. The acting is noticeably worse. <laughs> I think than the last time I watched it, um, your partner was quite surprised that I was surprised by it. But um, yeah, I'd, I, I'd um, always take an issue with all of the acting except Randall. Like yeah. I know Jeff Anderson can't act, but he plays this role like just perfectly. But also, Laura then blew my mind because he does kind of talk like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone when he's um when he's telling a story. Like he's got that sort of the same delivery, and now yeah. I can't I can't not hear that. <laughs> the up and down, the stop and start sort yeah. of tone. Um. But yeah, look, I mean, we're both big Kevin Smith fans. Probably the thing that's actually the thing that brought us together. Like, you came in to the video shop and gave me your resume, but you're also wearing a Movies from Clerks 2 shirt. And I'm like, ah, yeah, you're hired. <laughs> I don't need to look at your, I don't need to look at your resume. <laughs> if you want to work at a video store, you got to show that you're ready to work at a video store. Also, yeah. Or, I mean, or yeah. a fast food chain. Yes. Or a fictional fast food train, yeah. Um, so yeah, clerks. Um, I don't. I like I, a lot of times. I give give away my favorite uh, movie of the of the week, but this one it's, it's, got, it's got some competition this time. But we'll see. Um, is it? But clerks is yeah. I mean, it's it's it definitely shows you where he's going, where Clemens Smith is going, um, and like I've for a while there. I mean, I was obsessed with them, especially his, his podcast. I mean, the re- I think the reason that we're doing this podcast yeah. right now is because I used to listen to Smogcast, like, and everything else he used to do for quite some time. Um, for a while there in the two thousands, I believe it basically re- it nearly replaced music for a while there. I was just like, that's all I did was listen to podcasts that had him in it. And he does a lot of it. He, he does. You, for a moment there, became Kevin Smith because all you were doing was listening to podcasts and doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fun <laughs> yeah like and and i can see i i fell off his wagon a little bit when he became more about just talking rather than doing things yeah um and i'm somewhat ashamed to say like the way he portrayed himself in the public eye of acknowledging too much of nobody's just giving him shit i was like uh, i'm I wasn't into it. It turned me off a little bit, but I get it. Like it would be rough. People are really, really shitty to him for no reason. Yeah, and it would be hard not to take that on sometimes. Um, but I'll say that but, if you listen to him, like if you listen to him enough, though, then you like because all you like going is like he starts to say like, oh yeah, people say that I suck, and I'm like, I got to the point, I'm like, who says that you suck? I don't know anyone that says that you suck. I'm like, oh, it's because I'm like 
so within his world now that like I've never seen I've never heard or cared to read anything against him <laughs> so it's just like yeah he's kind of like kind of preaching to the choir sometimes with um the people who follow him yeah whereas there would be times where he probably wasn't in a great place mentally yeah. and he'll scroll through comments and he'll find three people that are like you're fucking shit Morats was fucking shit yeah yeah and you know Moritz isn't a great film. <laughs> we'll find out next week. But that's not the point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Clerks was aside. Let's let's mention, and I'm sure he's aware, and I know he's made plenty of comments about having a gay brother, and he probably asked his gay brother at the time, can I use the word faggot? And his gay brother was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, everyone's doing it, why not? But it's gross. And I think it's two or three times in the film, and it feels gross. All from uh, All from Jay. <laughs> So, I mean, it's yeah. I, mean, I think I think Randall does it once. Yeah, possibly, but it's just like, um, yeah, that's that's the only sort of uh, sort of it takes a shine off a little bit, and a lot of people, like, and I, I think he's like he'd be the first to admit that like there's there's certain things in his films because I'm pretty sure he uh, says the R word quite a bit in in later films. Mm. Um, I can't remember which one, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's it is like and it's like one of those things. Like yeah, um, I do think he does a lot of good a, a good job of of apologizing and and making and changing and then like you know going forward better. So like I think he I think he's one of the good ones still. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's move on to um, his uh, Miramax <laughs> co-mate. <laughs> Uh, Pulp Fiction, um, obviously a huge, huge movie at the time, and still is. Um, we're going to have differing opinions on this. You didn't watch it uh, this time around. When was the last time you reckon you saw Pulp Fiction? Oh, it's. I'd say maybe when we lived together. Okay. I can't imagine watching it in the last five or ten years. I think the and like I I watched it last week and I had a good time with it. And the thing is. But I, I watched it with, with, with a different... I think the last time I watched it was a couple of years ago and then before that was, was quite some time. And like I think I used to watch it for certain bits. Um, sometimes we're even fast-forwarding it to so certain bits. and then. Um, Does it but, feel like an SNL skit to you, just all clumped together? Nah, I, I see... <laughs> I can see how you could think that. Um, <laughs> I, there's, there's, there's a lot of my personal history sort of um, mixed up in the film too. Like it used to be quite... It was a very quotable film between me and especially me and my friend Nick. Um, uh, we we loved Bruce Willis in this movie. Bruce Willis um, also does some of the most problematic um, acting in it, like um, with with in terms of the word retard and stuff like that. But like some of his facial expressions in this movie, <laughs> um, I can imagine. I can remember doing with my friends, like, especially the one where he's in the bar and. Um, John Travolta kind of like basically shines him out. He basically is like he's like you're not my friend, and walks away from him. And the and the the glare or the 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 perplexed glare that Bruce Willis gives him is still fucking hilarious. Just, a little bit of stink eye. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, what did I do? <laughs> um, and then the fact that he gets to shoot him later is is amazing. Um, yeah, look, I I watched it and um, the uh, I mentioned the other night the the most problematic bit of this movie is is Quentin Tarantino's, Tarantino's acting in it. Like, I mean, he loves to say the N-word quite a lot. And it's just... The fact also that Samuel Jackson's standing right there too. Like, I, like I'm not saying it'd be better if he was talking to two white people, but it'd be like... 
he's supposed to be a friend of um of Vincent's and oh sorry, in Jules of in in the movie. But he's like yeah. using the worst word you'd ever do. And it's just I don't know. I, I, just, I, w- I would love to know the conversations around the, at the time and the mood of like, was this just accepted or did Quentin sell this as like, this is the character and this is the horrible sort of person that he is. As far as nostalgia goes. Yeah. It's, it's a big one. And and like it's, it is his landmark film. Like re- regardless of what you think of Tarantino, like it, it's changed the way of um, movies in the nineties. Like from now on, we will see the next Pulp Fiction ripoff and this, this, yeah. this uber violent, um, uh, action films coming forward and also like with these um sort of detached storylines and lots of stuff we'll see like a bunch of clones come out soon and it'll be like this is the new pop fiction this is the new pop fiction we also have the claim that this reignited travolta's career um for better or for worse uh but i don't know why everyone forgets about the look who's talking films because his career was not dead uh it was flatlining and then he's no, like, then he said, thanks, Tarantino. talking ones, it was a good time. <laughs> thanks, Tarantino. Now I'm going to go meet Michael. Ah. <laughs> uh, Michael and Phenomenon. Oh, Phenomenon. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> I can still Can't see wait. his big fat head on the front of Phenomenon. <laughs> With that cheesy grin and like, he's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to hurt nobody. <laughs> I can't wait to get back to that film. Uh, let's talk about, um, so to tell me our hoop dreams, I was, I was going to watch it, then it looked really, it, it, it was really long. <laughs> so I, I started it, but I never got to finish it. Um, what, what did you think? It's probably it, it, the, the best basketball or the best sports documentary of all time. Yeah. Um, which, so our good mate, Roger Ebert, hmm. um, this is the first thing that came up when I was looking into it. Yeah. So he thought it was amazing. He okay, absolutely cool. loved it. Uh, but he found out along with this guy called Gene Siskel. Yeah, yeah, Siskel and Ebert, yeah. They learnt about the the nominating process for documentaries, the Academy Awards. Okay. So when they watch them, they can flash the torch on the screen to say, we don't want to watch it anymore. Right. And when, once the majority is flashing their torches, they turn it off. Okay. This got turned off within 15 minutes. What? And I have to say, the first 15, 20 minutes, I was like, this is really slow. Where are we going? What's happening? Yeah. And I wasn't heaps interested. But it needed to be that two hours, because once it got going, yeah, it was really good. And I was so into it. And I was getting so frustrated at this high school kid that's almost done his ACL, but then he's okay, and he's just about back in time for finals, and the coach is like... You can wait and you can rest and you can get right for next year or you can come back and play. It's up to you, young child. What would you like to do? Oh, yeah, I want to fucking play. I want to wreck my knee even more. Why did you let him do this? Like this kid, he's so young. He's got so much ahead of him and you're just letting him ruin his body. Yeah. And then I played a game of soccer on Saturday with a bad hamstring. (laughs) And then played football on Sunday with the band. And then he went to the coach and, and says, and the coach said, you can either go sit down or you can play. And like, I'm not I, w- I went to the physio the day before. I was like, is this okay? She's like, I think a week's rest would be good. I was like, yeah, cool. I've got two games in the next two days. I'm just going to go with it and see what happens. You know, you're, but, pain, you're, you're paying to not listen to me right now. But I'm 36 and these things don't really matter. This, that, this kid's life and he was so good and he had so much potential and then he ends up burning himself out he falls out of love with basketball 
he doesn't he drops out of school briefly uh he goes back he quits playing basketball while he's at school then he plays and then he goes on he ends up being a pastor later in life or something um it's on but then um, you've got yeah sorry it's on stan it's on um, stan yeah it is it is really good uh it's so it's I should give the rundown. It follows two kids on their path through high school and college. Okay. And it just so happens, by chance, their paths take a different turn because one has a slightly poorer family. Right. And yeah. he's not quite as good. Um, I say slightly poorer because they're both... I think they're both from Cabrini-Green, Chicago. Oh, Candyman. Or Candyman, yep. Um, so they both got pretty tough upbringings. Uh, one's got a single mom. The other one's got... I'm not going to say he's a deadbeat dad, but, like, he comes and goes. Like, he seems like a good dad. Like, he's working real hard for his family, falls on hard times, kind of held down a job. Yeah. He ends up falling into drugs. He disappears from the family. There's a scene, I don't know how planned it is, where the kid's just out playing basketball with his friends, and his dad comes past. And he's like, oh, hey. And they're hugging. They apparently hadn't seen each other for a while. And his dad walks across the court. And he's trying to score drugs on the other side. And his son's just standing there watching it. Uh, and it's it's bit. it's really heartbreaking. And you hope that it's not planned. But then you don't want that to be a natural occurrence either. It's, yeah. It's tough to watch. Um, it is weird because it's a documentary, right? Mm-hmm. And I was a little confused. I was trying to find out at the end of it and in the credits, it has writers. Mm. I suppose like it, it's, it is written though. Like, like is it's that- like... Writers for the narrators, because it's narrated by two white guys. Yeah. Um, which one of the most disturbing parts is when they keep saying blacks and mm. the blacks. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure that's what they were saying at the time. That's just how they referred yeah, to well, that's, that's African-American like communities. It. But it it feels real weird. Like, he moved into a house with six other blacks. This is where all the blacks lived from the college. Like, It's kind uh, of like that whole thing where, like... And look, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a black nor Jewish, like I'm about to say, but like we, um, when I was on the radio once we had this guy on and he was talking about, um, like Jewish directors and stuff in America, but he's saying like, yeah, and he was a Jew. I'm like, I think you should be saying Jewish. Like, and I, then I, I, yeah. I actually had this, um, someone, I, I can't remember what I was watching, but they were like. Yeah, say Jewish because when you say Jew, it has like a bit of spite and hate to it. And then I found out like off um, off mic that this guy was like quite anti-Jewish, um, uh-huh. and I was just like, yeah, you can tell. And um, and I said to like the other presenter at the time, I'm like, if you ever say Jew, you need to put ish. Um, same with like you, know, like you don't say the blacks, you can say black people or like black culture yeah. or stuff. But like when you say the blacks, you're sort of like it kind of is relegating them to like just this like group and that doesn't have anything to offer. That's 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 what I get from from that that use of Yeah, you're, you're categorizing them just as a color and not yeah. as people. Yeah. So you're not using it as a descriptive word, you're actually using it as like a as a as as their their title and it's just like yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Um let's There just, was oh, one yeah. happy one I not like a happy bit, but I I laughed quite hard. Uh, early on in the film, the dad's talking about like living through his son. Um, I think this is Ajay's dad. And he's like, yeah, like I'm so happy to see him go far because, you know, I could have made it pro, but then I had a kid. <laughs> and 
the look that his wife gives when he says it that he could have made the NBA. No, you she couldn't. rolls her eyes so hard, like get the fuck out of my house. You were never making it pro. And then like to watch his downfall afterwards, like, okay, yeah, he's he's not having a good time. Um, but yeah, it's it was a great doco. Roger Ebert said it was one of the greatest films of the nineties, ahead of pop fiction. No, it's great. It is on Stan. You don't have to pay four ninety nine for it. It's it's really interesting. Watch it. Cool. Uh, let's go um, on to Wes Craven's new nightmare because um, you watched this and I've watched this recently. Like I did all the um, nightmares uh, on Elm Street's last year. Uh, I really like this film. It's probably, it's probably one of the ones I've watched the most. Um, I don't know whether it's just like the virtue of the fact that I had like. For a while there, the Elm Street series was hard to get on DVD, but not this one. This one was easy to find. So I think I bought this one. So I was like, ah, if I want my Freddy fix, I'll, I'll go here. If you've never seen it, it's basically the Nightmare on Elm Street series with Freddy Krueger. It's kind of like a, um, it's kind of like a meta movie because like uh, it's, it's, it takes place with like the actresses are playing themselves, like the, the actors and, and actresses are playing themselves. So like... Heather Langenkamp, Robert Englund, who plays Freddy Krueger, um, Wes Craven's in there as well, and Freddy's basically come into their come into real like to cross the cross the um the streams into into real life and um, last action hero style. Well, let's not let's not do that. Um, <laughs> uh, and then he- uh, Heather Langenkamp's got a, a, a son played by the creepy kid from Pet Cemetery, <laughs> Miko Hughes, uh, and he uh, basically. Um, steals the steals the movie i think he, he does a really good performance he's amazing yeah um he basically uh is getting having dreams about freddie and uh lots of really uh, it's got lots of really cool um sequences where because it's, it's right in the the middle of the earthquakes that were happening in la um there's a few times where like the there'll be an earthquake and there'll, there'll be like sort of four nice slashes on the wall like from freddie's glove and it's just I don't know what, what did you think? I want to know because like I'm I'm sort of I'm already sold on it. Like I I, I can watch Freddy till the cows come home. But what did you think? I, I thought it was interesting. Like it's a fun new take. It's you don't know when it's dream and when it's reality. Um, I don't think it was bad. It was a little bit. So Laura told me Wes Craven stepped away from the sequels. Yep. Um, and he was upset that it got a bit like jokey and goofy and he wanted to come back and make Freddy scary again. Mm. And she told me that quite early on in the film and I kept waiting for Freddy to be scary again <laughs> and for it not to be goofy and silly. Look, but the... I mean, it's 94. So like scary things were different then. We're not, but... this is, this is the middle of like, no one's making horror movies these days. Like a lot of like other director videos. So like, this is a pretty big thing. Freddy comes out and he's got like a fedora and a long sort of trench coat. I like that that look on him. I've actually like one of the only still horror movie figurines I've got is like that him in that style because I, I really like that. Um, the tongue though, the tongue, the tongue was weird. Yeah, that was like sort of fan service, I think. Um, but I, then again, like I really liked. There's a bit in the hospital where um, their babysitter is attacked, and they go back to that whole thing where he like. Um, takes her up to the roof and is basically just dragging her along, and that effect yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, um, that that was quite impressive. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I I I think this is um like if I was gonna, I'll, I'll be putting it in my top three. Like, I really like the first third in this one of the crew, like the Nightmare series. Like, it's it's a really decent. 
go. And then the next thing that he will do in the horror sphere is um, Scream. And you can sort of see, like, you know, this is, again, like, Scream was all about, like, um, that sort of meta horror movie thing, but then being in a horror movie. And this is this is kind of the start of that. And I liked, I liked his thinking. It's good. Yeah, like, it's not really a bad film. It's just... Uh, I don't know. It's it's not my thing. Like I didn't grow up with any of the nightmares, so it's hard yeah. for me to enjoy yeah. it on the same level. Cool. Um, let's just quickly go over a couple. Of, like, so you, you saw the um, Little Giants. I love Little Giants. Well, then, because like, I'm, the I'm a child, is, it's a sports movie. Yeah, we got to we got to cover it because uh, look, it's um, <laughs> we got our two niches here at the end. We've got. You and your um, family uh, movie, sports movie, and me with my cheesy action movie. So you go, you go first. So Little Giants is a film about two brothers in a small town. One brother goes on to become a huge football star, then comes back to the town to coach a little league team, while his yep. other brother, uh, Honey I Shrunk, Rick Moranis, oh. owns a gas station um, yep. and has the best football player in town, Icebox, his daughter. What? Um, <laughs> that's her nickname. His daughter's name's Icebox. Her name is Becky, but everyone calls her Icebox because Why? she's cold and tough or something. Okay. I don't know. Um, she's chill. I don't know. Um, so is but Rick she's the, best... the good guy or the bad guy in this? He's the good guy. Okay. Cool. Um, and it's where there's little moments. So uh, Ed O'Neill, Al Bundy, is his brother. And... <laughs> That starts off with them as kids, and Al Bundy's kind of mean to Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, but he's yeah. also kind of nice to him. He's like, you're not good enough to play football with us, fuck off. Also, our names are going to be up on the water tower one day, we'll own this town together. It's like, alright, you're a dick to him, but you're also going to carry him with you. Oh, Devin Sowers in this? Ugh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> fucking final destination himself over here what the fuck <laughs> is there anyone i hate more than the kid that turned out to be casper and got to kiss christina ritchie when i was 10 i hate you um oh anyway <laughs> it's also got that kid that's in a lot of um that uh todd bosley the, the he plays jake um in in the film but he's in like heaps of 90s family movies Love it. There's a lot of cool little kids in this film. I have to say that they, they're they pretty good. Uh, also, uh, huge news, Ozzy from Leprechaun is one of the kids' dads, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. We got um, to buy a new, a new brain. <laughs> yeah. You need a new brain and a new son, Ozzy, because your son's a dud. He's on the dud oh team. Um, I'm hoping Simpsons stole a lot from this in their football episode. Oh, and the bad kid from North with the glasses, yeah. the little mean genius. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he's he's not mean in this, he's just a genius. Um, yeah, so the dynamic with the brothers is weird, because once they're adults, they're just all out mean to each other, basically. Yeah. Um, they just seem to hate each other. Uh, Ed O'Neill's got the perfect life, you know, the family and the kids and the big house and I've got trophies. Rick Moranis lives in some sort of dank and runs a dank petrol station. Dank. Um, so Ed O'Neill is putting together this little league team. Um, he doesn't want Icebox to be on it because she's a girl and girls can't play football. Girls have to be cheerleaders. So they go and form their own team with all the duds that got cut. Uh, and then they find Devin Sauer, 
who's an amazing quarterback. He's got this amazing arm, and everyone keeps swooning over his arm, and it's really you know weird. Because he was 15 at the time of filming this movie. <laughs> <gasps> That's too old. <laughs> Although he does not look 15. He could def- he definitely passes as a 12-year-old. Um, so yeah, him and Becky kind of start to have this thing, but then they don't because Becky's tough and you can't like a girl. She's tough. She has to be pretty and be a cheerleader. Uh, it's... It's a weird dynamic. There's this whole thing about kissing. Mate, it's, mate, gross it's a, it's a and... family movie. Stop bringing your politics into it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, John Madden rocks up with Emmett Smith <laughs> and <laughs> random cool players. That was there's like half the half the film's budget right there. <laughs> yeah. As a child who played like Madden video games all the time, this was. Oh man, I can't imagine how excited I would have been watching but this. Is it one first of those time. cameos where um, they can't act? Uh, it's not too bad because they come in and they're like just giving advice to kids and they're coaching the kids. So, okay. like, they're doing what they know. It's, so it's not, not um, too bad. Uh, what's his name in Ace Ventura? Um, Dan Marino? Or the, no, um, or that... the two guys from the. Uh, Del- uh, the- Dallas North Stars and Mighty Ducks. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, you uh, listen to this guy. He's great, eh? Ah, <laughs> uh, what was his name? Was it Mon- Mundane? Yeah. <laughs> I remember him. I remember him. Um, no, so they're, they're all right. Like, John Madden, he's got a great voice. You can yeah. give him a line and he can deliver it. Uh, and the other guys are just coaching the kids, so it's... Okay, cool. It kind of works. Um, there's a tiny George Burns in it. Oh, yeah? Um, which is pretty fun. He's a snot bubble kid. He's the little freak um, that's like super delicate, and his mum's like, "Don't touch him," but he needs to get out and do sports. Oh, yeah, that's the one I was talking about. The top boys kid, yeah, he's in heat. Yeah, yeah, he's hilarious. Um, obviously, the dads go on to win. They have like a little playoff against each other because each town can only have one little league team. <laughs> Is this um, like one of the last films that um, Rip Morales is in? I reckon because like, he quit. He, he retires after acting pretty quick. Does he? Yeah, he went to. He looks after his kids because I think I believe his wife passed away, or his oh. wife was sick. And then yeah, basically he because they were trying to get him. I think they're trying to get him back for the. They're going to do a remake of Honey I Shrunk the Kid, and they're trying to get him back. And he's like, he's like, ah, I'm not sure, but um, yeah. For I, I, don't, I think he does like a couple more kids movies, and then it's that's it. Yeah, from about two thousand or nineteen ninety nine onwards, he's, he's wow. he doesn't act. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Because, uh, funnily enough, in the film, his wife leaves him. We don't know why. Um, but his daughter complains that he never calls her pretty and nice and mum did. And he's like, yeah, but mum left. So what do you want from me? Um, uh, I, like, um, I like the fact that, like, Nani's really played with that uh, broken home dynamic. Like, nearly every single um, movie have, like, some... And it was good to have representation of divorce because, like, I mean, for the 80s, like, everyone was a family and it was just a happy, a happy unit sort of thing. Um, it was good to see, like, it's like, look, let's not, the divorce rates are, like, going through the roof. <laughs> like, we need, to, we need to represent, like, the, the, the majority here. And they don't really go into it much. It's just the mum's not around, she yeah. left, that's the end of it. Um, but the film ends with, yeah, the underdogs winning. Uh, Becky goes to be a cheerleader before the game because she wants to get Junior's attention. Mm. And then halfway through the game, when they're losing, she's like, okay, they need me. I'm better at being a football player than I am a cheerleader. So it's, it's actually kind of good. Like, she's the main character in it. That's cool. It's based around her, basically, in Rick Moranis. 
and she does end up playing and she does what she loves. So it is like a good little girls wouldn't have had that a lot in the nineties of like, nah. if you're good at something, go and do it, do what makes you happy. <laughs> All I had before this was like, I might get to be a goalkeeper in the penalty shootout of like yeah. <laughs> for five seconds. <laughs> for five seconds. <laughs> Um, can I talk about yeah. The Specialist for a little bit? Um, the Specialist oh, is, yeah. is a movie starring Sylvester Stallone, uh, Sharon Stone, and James Woods. It is about so many things. Um, Sylvester Stallone and uh, James Woods are basically part of the CIA. Uh, they bomb things. Uh, they, they bomb bridges in places that are supposed to be uh, Columbia, but kind of looks like the backwoods of America. Um <laughs> And James Woods is like, oh, look, he's, he, he wants to bomb this cartel runner's uh, car. This is at the start of the movie. And then still Stallone says, sees that their, their kids are in the car. And he's like, you got to stop her. And um, uh, James was like, no, no, we got to do this. Fuck it. You know, they're drug dealers, whatever. And then so Stallone tries to like rip off the, the bombs of the bridge, but he doesn't make it. And then um, the the family dies and then he captures James Woods and then it cuts to, and then I've, I went back and saw, I, I don't know whether I went on the remote and like, I, I missed a bit, <laughs> but because it's like about 10 years later and all of a sudden he's, there's this like all throughout the movie, there's this, like, there's this uh, narrated dialogue between Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone. Um, on, over the phone talking about how like he's going to help her get revenge for this guy that killed her parents when she was a kid but I don't like it just sort of start it, all of a sudden we're supposed to now, now know that Stallone's like a sort of a gun for hire like he's a he, he, he basically takes people out for he's like a mercenary but there's did no did you already know that her parents were killed no, that comes out through the narration but like you only find that oh. out like you know about, about half an hour later it's like I don't know Eric Roberts is in this <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like the really bad dude that killed her parents. Um, uh, Rob um, Rob Reiner, not Rob Reiner, Rob Steiger um, plays the uh, <laughs> Rob Steiger, a elderly white man, plays a Cuban <laughs> uh, cartel boss. And if you're gonna ask, hey, does he does he try and put on a Spanish accent? He tries. He tries oh. to do it, and. I will. I will give him. He doesn't look heaps tanned. Like they didn't try and like tan him up for this. Like there, there wasn't any uh, blackface, but it still doesn't make it better. Um, so, uh, well, you find out that yeah. So um, uh, Sharon Stone, uh, James Woods, um, is he's out now, and he's working for um, for this this Cuban um, cartel, and he's trying to get Stallone. He wants revenge, basically. And he's um he's he's doing sort of this stuff. He's he's making bombs. There's a lot of bomb stuff in the nineteen ninety four. We've already had blown away in speed, and this is like another one. Um, there's a really yeah. cool bit where uh, James Woods he basically gets to be even though he's like a criminal because he's got a background in the CIA. They let him go into the bomb squad at, at the at the local police station, and there's a really good scene where he makes a bomb basically within two minutes, and then um <laughs> with a pen. And uh, yeah, it's like like James Wood is is acting his ass off in this movie. As much as I don't like the dude, he is a really good bad guy. In this movie, he is absolutely out. He's like just chewing scenery and spitting it back out again. It's amazing. Um, you do kind of like him, though, don't you? 
I don't want to. I don't I hate myself that I do, but he's really good at what he does. Um, this movie was very, very notorious for the shower scene between Stallone and um, Sharon Stone. Now, this is coming off of her basic instinct performance, so basically everyone wants her to be uh-huh. naked. Um, she'd just done Sliver, where she did a lot of the, a lot of sex scenes as well. And she was like, she was, uh, from what I can tell from interviews and stuff, like she was a bit burnt out by that thing. She's like, I did this movie, yeah, like it was very sexy, but like I got other stuff to do too. She gets to the, it, so it gets to the day of the shower scene and she comes in and Stallone says, and this is, this is a quote from Stallone. All right. Do you want me to do it with a Stallone yeah. voice yeah. or just normal voice? No, nah, it is Stallone voice. Yeah. Okay. Let me, no, I can't do it. Um, okay. <laughs> let it be known. I didn't want to do this scene because Sharon was not. Uh, was not co-op- was not cooperating. We get to the set oh. and she decides not to take her robe off. The director asks only a few of the crew to remain and she still won't take it off. I promised her I wouldn't take any liberties. So what's the problem? Is that him saying like, I promise I won't touch you? The fuck? Um, she said, I'm mm. just sick of nudity. I asked her if she could get sick of, nu- sick of it on someone else's film. She was having Ooh. none of it. So I went to my trailer brought back a bottle of Black Death vodka that was given to me by Michael Douglas. And after a half a dozen shots, we were wet and wild. Oh, God. Gross. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's the first bit of trivia you get from IMDb. And uh, it makes you not want to watch the film after that. Um, but yeah, so Sharon Stone, you, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of sort of um, turn coding in like, um, double crossing all stuff but you basically find out that like Sharon Stone um, is trying to uh, kill Eric Roberts but also she's trying to draw Sylvester Stallone out of hiding for James Woods because like he's paying her to do that as well um, there is a absolutely amazing final scene with James Wood being blown up <laughs> that just it should be seen to be believed um, and if only they blew up Stallone as well yeah, um, he's, yeah, apparently, uh, there's also another thing too was, so after the movie wrapped, Stallone had a bunch of James Woods' scenes trimmed down or completely removed because he was scared, well he wasn't scared, he was like, he's a better actor than me and I don't like that. <laughs> um, he did the same thing on Nighthawks with Rutger Hauer, basically he saw a, he saw like a, a, a copy of that and he said, you gotta, you gotta cut out, he, he looks too much better than me. Stallone is a fucking maniac. Wow. I'm waiting for the yeah. uh, I'm waiting for the tell-all book to come out because he I think there's a there's a lot of uh, lot of uh, skeletons in these in these closets for him. Um, so yeah, uh, having said all that, I mean, uh, look, Clerks is going to be my. Uh, I, I thought Pulp Fiction might like, might bump it out, but I think Clerks is going to be my favorite for the. Did you not watch Puppet Masters? Is I that not, not up in? Ah. You missed out on a lot of Donald Sutherland uh, yelling orders in a very polite manner. <laughs> it's Canadian, it's, you gotta do it. It's hilarious. I don't know... I'd always thought that Simpsons Alien episode with Mr. Burns, I always thought that was just pure X-Files ripoff. Yeah. But there's a lot of like-for-like scenes from this film. <laughs> it's very, very weird. There's yeah, a, I... I don't know what came first, who they're ripping off. It feels like everything. It's, but like, it's, it's kind of like a body snatchers like take on it. Yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah. But it's very much Mulder and Scully, um, and that Future Armor episode with the little brain slugs. Oh yeah, yep. That's what this is from. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, it's it's a good time. Donald Sutherland is hilarious. He should 
you should pay five dollars and watch it. Just I actually it. was it was it was on my list. I had that, and also the last seduction was on my list too. But I was like, ah, oh, like I, I, I got all my erotic thriller out and specialists. So I was just like, nah. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, let's move on to TV. Um, couple of um well-known things, a couple of not well-known things. I had to talk about Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills just because that's the name of a show that existed in 1994. Um, I, was, I was looking for some... Um, I couldn't find a lot of footage of it. And then I found a... Uh, there's a critical reception of it on Wikipedia. It says, it is the room of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers ripoffs. Ah. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, so I'm going to try and find some more of that because it looks, it looks so much like, um, yeah, like a really bad Mighty Morphin Power Rangers but, uh, ripoff. But yeah, we gotta, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted. I'll try and put some stuff up on the Instagram. Um, Secret World of Alex Mack. Um, I wasn't a big fan. I think I was, I was already past that sort of type of TV and I don't think, I don't, I don't think it was readily available in Australia um at the time but um basically revolves around a, a teenage girl named alex mack who um uh through circumstances gets covered in like this um chemical and gives her special powers apparently um it went for s- four seasons and it started out very light and fluffy but then got a bit sort of darker and moodier as it went on um sounds like something that i would have been into if i'd sort of um had access to it like same with like are uh, you afraid of the dark and, and that type of type of thing um, I used to watch it a little bit. I don't know how or where if it wasn't on here, but um, oh, I'm yeah, sure I remember it, uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, I mean, it might have just been because um, by the time, like, well, I'm I'm now what twelve, and then maybe by the time we got to Australia, I'm like thirteen, fourteen, maybe like out of that that type of stuff. But yeah, it um uh it was quite um, and they they did a re they, 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 the cast got together in 2018 too and, and did a bit of a the panel sort of thing. Um, there's another uh, TV show called Gargoyles. You can watch it on um, Disney Plus. It's an animated show. Pretty cool. Uh, I, I wish I'd watched this. I'll be, I'll be way into this. It's like mythological sort of horror in New York City. Lots of monsters. Looks very cool. Um, if you get a chance, give it a go. It's, it's, it's quite cool. I don't think I'd ever heard of that one before. And the last one uh, was... And I'll play... I was very tempted to go out to our shed and pick out these box sets. You have box sets of Marvel Monsters? We do. Uh, of course, your your, uh, your lady love would be a big fan of this. Yeah. <laughs> I can see she, that. She snapped them up, uh, JB, when they released it a few years ago. Um, basically, that's Our Real Monsters, um, Nickelodeon show. <laughs> as much as um, it follows the adventures of Ikus, Oblina, and Crumb. Uh, they're basically, it's kind of like a Monsters Inc. Really, when you think about it, it's like them yeah. um, going out into the real world and and and, um, and scaring people. I wasn't a big fan of it. Like I, I like I liked it, but like the, I remember there was a block on whatever channel I used to watch it on. It'd be like that Rugrats, um, Rocco, and I reckon my big thing was Rocco's Modern Life. That was my favorite. Um, so I think I used to watch this just as like sort of 
on the way to have to watch like for, I had to watch it to, in order to watch Rocco, so I wouldn't miss the start yeah. of that sort of thing. So that's such. I mean, we talk about nineties nostalgia, Rugrats, Arrow Monsters, and Rocco. Yeah, that's fucking banging lineup right there. <laughs> that's so good. I had no idea how good we had it back then. Yeah, no, it's it's <sighs> um, I. I also remember, I used to know because Crumb was the one that had like was holding his eyes, um, yeah. very very Pan's Labyrinth like. Um, but yeah, I remember that was he used to like would be my favorite. Um, uh, but yeah, just um, good old uh, Nickelodeon just pumping out the good stuff in the nineties. Um, I do want to talk about too. So um, there was a series finale of uh, the Dinosaurs, you know, the Dinosaurs TV show that we talked about. Yes, um, with the baby. Have you ever heard about the, the last episode of this, of how bleak it is? I think you mentioned when we first brought it up that it was some horrible end of days. Yeah, yeah. Basically, thing. you find out that like, um, the, the dad kind of um, kind of brings on the, the Ice Age and kills everyone. <laughs> um, and he's like, he basically like, uh, yeah, it, through, through a series of um, sort of... Uh, different predicaments he, he brings about the death of everyone and it's just like for such a light-hearted tv show um it's just amazing that they're like yeah we're gonna, we're gonna this is how we're gonna get out of this one we're gonna, i think we, i think it cancelled too i mean like it went for four seasons which is just amazing when you think about like that premise <laughs> um but yeah dinosaurs were hot at the time if you ever get a chance it's on it's on uh, disney plus uh it's it's quite a ride i can tell you um <laughs> Uh, before we get on to the music, we do, uh, we've got a couple of uh, um, long-running se- segments. We've got, first up is the Law and Order Minute. Now, this is the uh, part of the show where I try and recount everything that happened on Law and Order, the OG series back in 1994. This is season five. Um, I try to do that in one minute. I never get to do it because, and then Ben gets to make this sound. Uh, am I gonna make the sound? Oh, okay. Maybe I feel, it's a different sound. I don't know. Um, I, I feel I feel bad air horning you all the time because it's all the time. So you know, <laughs> um, and I know this is I know this is against the rules, but I have to mention something from last week that I didn't get to do, and um, it was in my notes and I didn't get to say it. Um, in one of the episodes, he's talking about something, and it's something to do with um, uh, alternative medicine, and this lady's using apricot seeds. And he, he pronounces it apricot. And I'm oh. Like, no, I don't know. No. No. It's not apricot. And I think it's an American thing because I think um, someone else says apricot seeds. I'm like, it's apricot. <laughs> I've never heard that before, ever. Oh, it's, it is, it drove me insane. So, you know what? Struck one. <laughs> Struck one. <laughs> Jack McCoy it is apricot, not apricot. You know, this could be a great segue into James Acaster's bit on ready to eat apricots, but but it's only 1994, so it's a long way away. Yes, it is. Uh, so let's get on to uh, the minute. I'm ready to go whenever you are. Um, yeah, I guess so. Uh, let's count you in. Three, two, one, hit it. So the first episode is Blue Bandu and a young singer played by Laura Linney. Oh. Uh, she is, she is um, accused of shooting a uh, Japanese club owner 
um, because he apparently molested her and assaulted her and she's, um, she's using a very uh, regular defense mechanism in Law and Order, the battered women's defense. But Jack McCoy's having none of that. He thinks she's faking and he <laughs> goes to just destroy this young woman <laughs> who's been battered. And he's, it's, it is a really, really confronting episode. He even tells like, uh, it's, it's not good. It's, it, I know, I know. You I need to get Jack, on, you need to get on to the next episode. I know so. I don't want to Jack McCoy, but like he's, he, he didn't show his good colors in that one. Next one's a bit better. Um, we got Sarah Paulson, guest star. Ooh. She plays someone who's sleeping with her stepfather <laughs> and, uh. and murdered her mother. Uh, good times. <laughs> um, the next one is got is what? Oh, nice. I was gonna end you right on the murderer part, but uh, you you kind of made me. So that's okay. I, I didn't um, want to stop it there. We also got um, another long running se- segment is uh, we didn't guess the name, which is uh. Ben goes through all the guests that were on the late night with Conan O'Brien show. Uh, we're big Conan O'Brien fans here. And um, he tries to do that to the tune of uh, my Lord and Saviour, and should be everyone's Lord and Saviour, Mr. William Joel's We Didn't Start a Fire. Um, as you would have heard then, did you use that as like a bit of a primer to be able to like... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we have to do that in a minute too. So last I time... Feel like we, I feel like we haven't done this for a while and I'm, I'm a bit out of touch. Well, last time was the first time that you um, didn't do it. Like you, you yeah, didn't get there. I, was I had to have two tabs. Oh, don't fucking blame the tabs. Look, season one to season two, I had to make a jump. Uh, it caused a delay. I think I said a musical guest as well. I got a bit cocky. Okay. Um, I'm not I have counting. to. I'm gonna count you in because I don't. This is not. This is not. We didn't guess the excuse. <laughs> I'm also <laughs> trying to kill time so I can get the tune in my head again. <laughs> I've already forgotten how it goes. All right, three, two, one, go. Michael McKean, Peter Garrelick, Anna B. Davis, Harry Smith, Herbert Stample, Rita Marino, Billy, Bonnie Hunt, Chuck Barris, Rushumba, Matt Granny, Kennedy, Masara, Daniel Baldwin, Meryl Marker, Sandra Bernhard, Wes Craven, Scott Thompson. Chris Matthews, Chuck Woodley, David Palmer, Dave Greenberg, Robert Keown, Nancy Kerrigan, Terry Jones, Brian Bembeck, Jack Mitchell, Greg Gumble, Wallace, Sean, Sherry J. Wilson, Dana Carvey, David Faustino, Tom Snyder, Faustino. <laughs> Robert England, Pumpkin Carvers, Perry Gilpin, George. Oh, no, I did it. That's November. Sorry, Perry Gilpin. See you next week. Do you know who Perry Gilpin is? I don't. Do you know who Pumpkin Carvers are? She's Roz in Frasier. Oh, I like her. Um, October 31st, the guests were Robert England and Pumpkin Carvers. I'm assuming they had people carving pumpkins. Oh, it's October 31st. They also had They Might Be Giants on that night. You had Nancy Kerrigan on? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what they talked about. (laughs) Uh, Did I mention your friends Cracker were on in September as well? Oh. Nice. Uh, not not great musical guests in October. Uh, Judy Betts, Violet Femmes, Jimmy mm. Vaughan, uh, mm. Bloodline, Victoria Williams. They have David Falsino. He's fine. That's Bud from um, Married Children. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say, I do not know so many of these people. <laughs> it's my I feel like Brian Dennehy's been on a lot, though. Um, oh, man. 
he'll be he'll be interesting because he, he passed away recently, and I just like you just don't realize how much he was in, like he was in a lot yeah. of stuff. Um, so let's go on to music. So on the ARIA charts, uh, we had uh, Confide in Me by Kylie Minogue. We also had I'll Make Love to You by Voice of Men. But then it was knocked off by three young, fresh lads from Newcastle. Woo! Uh, tomorrow by Silverchair entered the charts. Um, and in the Billboard charts, as like I said last month, um, it's like this to the end of the year. I'll Make Love to You by Voice of Men. <laughs> Literally three months in the charts. We also have some big music news in October because... Mr. David Eric Grohl mm. uh, begins recording the first Foo Fighter album. Ooh. Same yeah. Eric? I think so. I don't know if I just pulled that out of my bum or if I think it might actually be Eric. Okay, so going on to the um, the releases, I'll just go through some of the bands. Uh, we've got the Cranberries, Danzig, Smashing Pumpkins, Money My Bostones, Suede, Corn, Tom Jones, uh, The Cult, E17, Page and Plant, Jamiroquai, Sick of It All, Melvins, The Sea and Cake, Silver Jews, Madonna, Lisa Germano, Joni Mitchell, and Millen Colon. Ooh, quite a diverse lineup there. What did you listen to? Uh, look, I tried to listen to a few things. <laughs> I've got to say, outside of the cult, mm-hmm. nothing grabbed me here. I was very disappointed in Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, well, this I is didn't like, this even is know that was an album. Well, it's a B-size and rarities one, basically, which I think okay, is good. like... True to form of Bill, Billy Corgan's massive, massive ego. He's like, I've released two albums, so I'm going to release a B-size and rarities. <laughs> um, uh, there, yeah, there was another band that, that did something similar. You haven't got the best of me for that. Who was that? Nirvana did it. <laughs> no, that... Uh, <laughs> nah. I was always confused why Incesticide isn't considered an actual album. Because there's it's original songs on there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No. That's weird to me. No, my joke still goes. Um, yes, it does. Look, we have to talk about this. Do you think Irish people hate this song? Because this would have just been the soundtrack to their mid-90s. Look, I was listening to it before, and it's kind of like Better Man. You might not yeah. like it to hear it very often, but you cannot you cannot take away how much it, how how important it is to um, alternative music in the nineties. You would a- say it might be better than Better Man because there's it's probably a better message, and it's. Yeah, it was written it's by... It's a better time. That is Zombie by the Cranberries. Um, it was written after she heard about a bomb blast that killed um, two, like a, a three-year-old and a, I think it was like a nine-year-old um, in, um, in 1994. And it was just like... She said like it was just... Our tour bus was right near where it, where it happened sort of thing. And she she just sort of wrote it in a very small amount of time and, and put it down. And it's just a great... It's a great song. It's a great message. Um, I like the fact... As a bass player too, is like one of the last things you hear is just the bass, just like going that ding, ding, ding. It's a great tone for that bass too. I love it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's it doesn't 
yeah, like it's it's just a song that um it's sad, but it also you know you feel like you want to sing along and 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 it feels hopeful as well. I don't know. It, it's a great song. Um, and so is "Ode to My Family." Which yeah, the the first track. It's it's a yeah. pretty good album. I watched. Um, I also listened to a song called Twenty One, and it is literally time after time. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they ripped that oh. off. <laughs> Listen to this. Oh, it is. The fuck? <laughs> that is time after time. Sydney. I mean, there's only six chords. Give him a break. Sydney's, Sydney should be out in force. Um, <laughs> no, Danzig, no. Um, we're, uh, <laughs> um, I really like the Mighty White Bostones. Like, I, like, I like this album um, a lot. This is really back when, like, when they're getting into like, the hardcore and, and Scar put together. Um, we're getting to the Scar years. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> which everyone should watch uh, on Tubi. There's a free documentary on there called Pick It Up, The Scar in the 90s, and it's delightful. Um, uh, I also, like, I listened to the Suede album. Suede's one of those bands, like, I heard, I've heard a lot of these songs before. I don't know where. I've never listened mm. to them. My brother wasn't into it. Maybe, like, I've, I've, I've watched a lot of English movies or English TV shows with this, like, in the soundtrack. Yeah. But I've, I, these songs seem very familiar to me. I don't know why. They're one of those, they're kind of like a, a Black Crows type or Cannon Crows type. They're just, yeah. if you're not a fan of them, they're around and you've heard them and they've got good songs, but you probably didn't know it was them. And then we got, I, I had no idea that this was 94, but we have this. Hang on. The suspense. Long intro. I remember someone got teased for a long intro once. Yeah. Do you know what it is now? Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like a Nintendo game, though. <laughs> it sounds like Doom. You don't know who it is yet? That definitely sounds like a video game. Is it Road Rage? That is Blind by Korn. Oh. A band that I did not know started in 1994. I thought they just came out. I thought I thought they just were the mushroom that came out of Marilyn Manson's shit in 1997 <laughs> with um, Freak on a Leash, and then they disappeared forever. Yeah, is that um, not what happened? Yeah. So this is the the self titled first album. Um, uh, look, I don't like corn. You know. Oh like no, we did know about this because uh, I believe it was Juice Magazine. That listed this album in their top 100 albums above oh, all right, of the Pearl yeah. Jam albums of the 90s. That's right. We went, we, uh, oh, fuck juice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, um, I will say uh, their early stuff, it uh, pains me to say, I find this like a little bit, once they got a following, I think they got really, really up themselves and just like didn't do like great stuff. Once they started hanging out with Limp Biscuit, basically. Um, I can see the appeal of these of, of these songs, like Shoots and Ladders and Blind, um, sort of decent metal type songs. But like it, it again, they're 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 now the helmet of the new metal phase. Yeah, and like it's just that thing of like, I I, I don't want to blame them, but I blame them <laughs> for for what comes afterwards. Um, Speaking of helmet, there's a little bit of helmet in this cult album. 
Yeah, so you, you listen to the cult, and I every time that cult song came on, I skipped it because I didn't like it. But you tell me. Um, I've I've went back to their earlier stuff, their you know, apparently better stuff. Yeah. Um, and I prefer this album. It's it's got like it's a little bit helmety, it's a little bit danzigy, mm. it's a little bit kind of mother love bone in places. Okay. Uh, I can especially when you listen to that older stuff as well. I could see, um the bands that Jeff Ament was in before Pearl Jam. Yeah. Because I know he's a big cult fan. Um, but yeah, I'd never really listened to them much before this, but they could be my new Tragically Hip. Oh. Like, they've got they've got a good sound. They've, they've got some decent songs. Um, and yeah, there's a little bit of diversity in it. It's not... I always expect with these guys, when you hear one song, they're going to be ACDC, and the next song is going to be the same but different. Yeah. But... I like when you listen to an album and you don't feel like you've already heard that song. And aside from it being in a movie or you grew up hearing it, you know, when you listen to it, it's like, wait, is this a song I just listened to? This feels and sounds like the same song, but you know that they're different songs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not listening to the hives or ACDC where it's all melts into one. Oh, the hives. Uh, look, um, Tom Jones, Listen album, <laughs> and I had that if I only knew song on it. But the the have you seen? Did you see the front cover of that album? No, I did not. It is the album. Can you just oh, as I'm talking? It's called the Le- the lead and how to the lead and how to swing it. Look up that that front cover. The um, lead or the lead? The lead. Let's let's spell the same. The lead. I'm assuming it's the lead. Um, my I remember my mum hated Tom Jones. Like she hated his voice. She hated him. He was, she's like, oh, he's a slimy gross and I'm like yeah I look I can't I can't fault you on that <laughs> and if you look at the front cover of that album you're like yeah yeah he is slimy and gross he is I feel like the woman on this cover is completely unnecessary yeah how, 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 how weird is it but also uh, there's a woman on the cover but he, still he still doesn't want her to take main focus so he puts her behind the writing <laughs> he's like put me in my see-through singlet <laughs> and jeans when I'm really sweaty I want that front and center Fishnet tank top. Oop. Is this Tom Jones? No. Oh. This is the bad boys gone soft. It's no, it's no um, House of Love anymore. Oh. That, I did not know that that was on there. I missed out. It's such an that that song's pretty fucking good, man. It is. <laughs> I, I wonder. If, you probably wouldn't know uh, this group, but DMAs uh, when they came out, my first thought was E17. Oh, and the more I hear yeah. East, the more I hear E17 now, I'm like, are they really mad at DMAs? Because they've just <laughs> they are E17. So they wear the student, same stupid hats? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Jimbo's still in the football. Unnecessarily um, British. <laughs> yeah, so this one was like quite a, a, like their last one was more sort of that frenetic sort of beat, but now it's like, um, yeah, now it's all sort of... Cashing on the, on the boys to men, wet, take wet, that. Wet. Yeah. I think there's some wet, wet, wet like uh, nods there. 
Um, we also had no quarter by Jimmy Page and Rob Plant. The only reason I mentioned this is because they didn't invite, invite is it John Paul Jones, the bassist? Yeah. <laughs> but the um, album is called No Quarter after a Led Zeppelin song predominantly written by John Paul Jones. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's that about? I don't know. <laughs> he um, seems like the nicest one. I know. That's right. <laughs> um, we got Jamiroquai, but it's not um, virtual insanity, so who gives a shit? Um, it's Return of the Space Cowboy, though. So was he already here and we missed it? Uh, like his, his return. So where was the Space Cowboy before? I don't know. I, I miss his big hat. If he hasn't got a big hat on, I want to know about it. Um, <laughs> We got Sick of It All, which you wouldn't have liked, but it was pretty decent. Um, it was probably one of the uh, most uh, popular albums. Uh, Revolve by the, Melbourne, uh, the Melbans. Um, yeah, I don't like him. Sorry. Mm. That's time. Yeah. Um, I really liked, and this is going back to that thing I was talking about with um, how to say Jewish or Jews, but there was a band called Silver Jews, and they're really good, and I really liked them. Um, uh, I don't know, just uh, kind of alternative... This is very much a pole band. Yeah. Um, really good. Um, another band where I'm like, oh, this is, this is amazing. I'll get into it. And then I found out that the lead singer um, passed away a few years ago. Um, oh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I really liked Silver Juice. Um, Madonna came out with an album um, of no songs that I ever knew. Because she already put all her best songs on that best of. Cool bedtime stories it's actually um it's really weird because like the front cover and like the the tone of the songs is so different from like remember like just this time last year she was basically like bdsm like to music yeah and now yeah. this is like this this front cover is like she's in white she looks it looks like a any other generic sort of mid-90s female singer it's very weird she was the queen of like reimagining herself yeah i want to i want to i do want to look into it more and see if there was like a conscious shift or whether she was just sick of like the whole sex thing and just like i just want to go back to my pop thing um i think sadly quite common for especially female artists um like solo artists like you had to rebrand yourself you could not just do the same thing over and over because men will get sick of you yeah and bored and which is like well like people like um yeah, like, I mean, I don't know whether you could say the same with Taylor Swift, but, like, I suppose she went from country to pop sort of thing. But yeah. she's relatively stayed the same since that 1989 album. She's had a slow transition, I think. Yeah. Um, rounding out is um, Same Old Tunes by uh, uh, Mill & Colin. Um, it's their first album. I'm a huge Mill & Colin fan. Uh, I, was, I, I like, they're from Sweden. They seem very geeky and very funny. Um uh, I, I've always sort of held a candle for them, but like a lot of other people, like could take a leave, and kind of like the bad religion as well. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I um, he also he sang with a certain accent. Um, they got a song here called it's actually called Leona, but for the longest time because because like most of my ta- most of my music in the nineties was my brother taping stuff for me, and I had no track listing, so I, I was assumed <laughs> it, was, it was the owner and not Leona. <laughs> And um, the amount of lyrics I got wrong because I just didn't have access to like the actual lyrics or the track listing um, is uh, 
yeah, like it's <laughs> like when I actually got the album myself, like years later, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's what he was saying. <laughs> there would there would be so much of that. I would I've done that countless times. Yeah, yeah. I thought even flow was called even though. Makes that makes sense. Though. It should be even. Yeah. Okay, um, and so last, that's... the last one oh, yep. that we, we've missed, sorry, was not on your list, the Clerk soundtrack. Yeah, I um, thought about the other night, actually, and I was like, I should go home and make sure I put that in the um, track, the playlist, and I didn't. Um, I love this. Uh, this uh, so I found this in a record sh- a CD shop in like a, I was, I can't remember where I, where I was, but I was like really far away from home, like in, it was still in the suburbs, but like for some reason I was going somewhere with someone. And they had a CD shop. I'm like, oh, I'll just have a look in. And it had it. It had this the Clerks album. It was like, it was $34 on CD. And I still bought Worth it. Because I was like, I was like I'm, not, I'm never going to find this again. Um, it's got a great, great... I mean, the, the, the title track, Love Among Freaks, um, the, the Clerks um, song, excellent. Got Me Wrong by Alice in Chains. Um, you've got uh, Shooting Star by Golan Smog. Bad Religion leads and follow, uh, follows... Leaders and followers, it's it's awesome. Go go your own way, cover. Go your own way, cover. Yep. Um, and then also the best song on it, I, I love. Can't even tell by Soul Song. I think it's amazing. Um, you also, if you like, if you got the the soundtrack, you got like um, parts of the film <laughs> before tracks. Like they have these little sort of um, recordings from the film, um, which is amazing. Um, yeah, it's it is so good, and. Um, introduced me to a lot of bands i think as well like i didn't go and follow a lot of them but it opened me up a bit more to just random artists and songs and it not everything was pearl jam and foo fighters for me after that movie yeah yeah i mean looking at now like the amount of time the amount of stuff i've got from some of these artists now like i mean i was obviously a huge soul song fan and golden smog's great too and um yeah so i like i like the fact that like this was definitely the age of um filmmakers putting songs in and maybe not for like any other purpose i mean i've, I've never actually sort of experienced like it, it like really looked into like why he chose certain songs i think with with um kevin smith is literally like what he likes at the time um i think clerks too like there's a bit more sort of significance to the songs obviously like the last song they played misery by soul song and he, he definitely wanted that for that for that reason but like a lot of these songs don't probably have a lot to do with the actual what's going on in the movie at the time Apart from Chewbacca, um, yeah, but the yeah, I, yeah, Berserker. Um, but yeah, uh, Clerk soundtrack definitely um, like um, a, a worthy inclusion into that list too. So, what, what are you going to pick? Are you going to pick the Clerk soundtrack? Uh, I think uh, it's hard. It's that or the Cult. Um, I, I would want to say the Cult just out of you know broadening my horizons. Yep. But I was the same. I had the Clerk soundtrack. I found it in a random CD store once upon a time. Um, yeah, it's it's too good. It's too good for me to... Even the little snippets like Dante's Lament and stuff in there. That I, yeah, I always had a good time. Um, <laughs> and that one would always like... that. I knew that one because it always like led into um, Got Me Wrong by Alison James. Um, I'm going to have to pick... Uh, For a song, I pick Zombie. So I think, like, I think that's going to yeah. be making an appearance on, on my top five list at the end of the, year, the season. Um, I'm going to go for Milan Con. 
um, same old tunes. I really like this album. Um, I like, yeah, this is definitely going to my punk because I like, I think I chose Bad Religion last month as well. Um, but just for, I, I really like Silver Jews. I, I really like, I want to see more from them. I reckon uh, apparently they're, they're most, the best album comes up in, the, in a couple of years time. I'm really looking forward to investing, getting them more. But yeah, I'm going to go for Melancholy this time. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Hmm. I've nearly, nearly my money boss tones, but um, yeah. I think this is and and is Pulp Fiction your film uh nah Clerks is my film same uh Hope Dreams gave it a good run for its money but Nostalgia wins the day yeah Pulp Fiction was like up there too but I think um in terms of like my Tarantino listing it's not near the top although after this after this watching this time I'm like it's, it's still it still slaps I still like it I know there's like a lot a ton of stuff wrong with it too but I uh, know um i'm sure it's a great film and i'm sure i'd still like it in many it's like it's got an insane cast i'm sure i still like a lot of it but yeah um i just want tarantino to choke on someone's stool um because <laughs> i just don't like him at all he's got, he's got a podcast now of course he does i hope he <laughs> eats poo on it uh so um that is it for October 1994. Thanks for listening. Um, check us out on uh, Instagram, Living the Past. Uh, give us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com. Uh, check out our other podcast about the X-Files, Do You Think I'm Spooky? Uh, we're into season two of that right now, and it's doing quite well. Uh, Feel free to give us a, a five-star rating on either podcast on yeah, Spotify now. Spotify, That's what they do. Spotify, and um, you can also check us out on a new uh you can also check us out on a new place called Podchaser. So if you can make an account there and that actually um, allows you sort of to network, network with a bunch of other podcasts too. So um, it's, a, it's a small thing that's sort of getting off the ground. But um, yeah, d- definitely check it out. It doesn't cost any money. It's just a way to find um, the new content, which is good. And until next time, yeah. we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you once again for listening to Living in the Past. Got some awesome people to thank at the end of the show here. Andrew Golding does our music for us. You can check out his stuff at www.antigold.bandcamp.com. Rebecca Sheedy, she does our artwork. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at mildscribbling. Send us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. You can check out letterbox.com following PD Lumsden and check out the movies that we've been talking about this season. You can check out the music we've been talking about on the podcast by going to Spotify and searching Living in the Past podcast and then the month that you want to check out. Want to help us grow the show? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or tell your neighbour, tell your friend, tell your mother. It all helps. And until next time, as we always say, sit back, look back and relax. Thanks. Thanks.